Lord Jesus, we give you praise and honor and glory on this day because you have given us the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You are faithful to all your promises. And I thank you for this greatest gift that through him we may know you more intimately that through Him we may know the love of the Father in ways that we've always longed to know. And so we make our prayer this morning, come Holy Spirit, on this Pentecost Sunday, come fill us afresh. The powerful, saving grace of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, for those of you who are new to St. Andrews, you might have wondered what was going on during the reading of Acts. (laughs) Uh, No, they were not speaking in unknown tongues. They were speaking in languages, some of them from their native tongue, others languages that they have learned. And that gave you, I hope, a little taste if it startled you, and I'm sure for some it did, uh, but gave hopefully a picture, a taste of what happened on that first Pentecost that we read about in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit was given to the church, the disciples in that upper room gathered together, filled with the Spirit going out, speaking in different known languages and the nations around them. Friends, that was the birth of the church, the beginning of the gospel, beginning to spread throughout the world. So this morning, this is what I want to do as we look at Acts chapter 2 that was read a few minutes ago. I want to look first at the significance of Pentecost, what that meant back then. What does that mean for you and me today? And unpacking it by looking at it two points. First, God's presence infused in us. And secondly, God's power imparted. So we're going to look at those in just a minute. God's presence infused and his power imparted. But let me tell you first about the significance of Pentecost. What was going on on that first Pentecost day that we read about in Acts chapter 2? Well, Pentecost for the Jews was one of the great feast days. There were three feast days in the year, and Pentecost was one of them. It occurred, and we read this in the Old Testament, 50 days after Passover, and it was known as the Feast of Weeks. And so 50 days after the Passover, Jews from all over would come and gather in Jerusalem, bringing the first fruits of their crops, giving them to the Lord out of thanksgiving. Now, it's interesting, whenever the the Feast of Weeks, we know as Passover occurred, there would have been back then in the Old Testament days, thousands upon thousands of Jews who would gather in Jerusalem to celebrate this great feast. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) On the day of Pentecost here, some commentators say that there were maybe hundreds of thousands of Jews gathered there. Some say over a million had assembled on Jerusalem on this Pentecost day. They were coming to celebrate the Feast of Weeks, but little did they know they were about to have an encounter with God that they never experienced. And so think about it. (laughs) Isn't it right that God in His providence to do something new in his church, to bring a new manifestation of his work to his church, giving the gift of the Holy Spirit. How appropriate on this day where there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people gathered in Jerusalem, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and the gospel began to go among the nations. That's the significance of Pentecost. 
And what we see, first of all, I want to look at this morning is the presence of the Holy Spirit given to the church. I've labeled it presence infused. It's, it's the Holy Spirit coming upon the people of God. We see it written like this in Acts 2 verse 3. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. I want to talk about the significance of fire for a minute because it has a great significance in the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament. Remember the scene when God called Moses. God appeared in what? In the form of a burning bush, the fire in the bush, but the bush wasn't consumed. But God spoke out of that bush to him. We see in the Old Testament the presence of the Israel, of the presence of God descending on Mount Sinai. The Israelites all on the ground. And this presence of God came as a fire upon the mountain. Remember God's presence as the Israelites journeyed those 40 years in the wilderness. What led them at night? Do you remember? A pillar of fire. The very presence of God. And you know, when the temple was complete, we read that the fire of God came down upon the temple. And the scripture tells us that the glory of God filled the temple. The fire, the presence of God, how appropriate that we would see here in Acts 2 that tongues as of fire came and rested on the people. Friends, it signifies to us the very presence of God no longer manifesting himself in an object like a burning bush or a pillar of a cloud or or fire at night or in the temple, but now dwells in us. Last week, Dustin spoke about the reality of God coming among us, that we were the new temple of the living God. And so it would be appropriate that the presence of God would rest in us. I wonder how much you've stepped back to think about that reality, really, that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, lives in you. Now think about that for a minute. I would say, don't just think about that for a minute. (laughs) I think that ought to be something we think about every single day, that we have the very presence of the living God in us. We find on this first day of Pentecost in Acts 2 that for the church, everything changed. Because God no longer was with them, he is now in us. And that changes lives. As we look at the Holy Spirit coming upon those first disciples on that day of Pentecost. And we realize that as followers of Jesus, when we come and accept Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit fills us. There's a scene I want to take us back to for a moment that I think sets the stage for all of this. Remember the scene when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River? I love that scene. It's one of my favorite scenes at the beginning of the Gospels. Jesus is being baptized by John. And what do we see? We read that a dove descended upon Jesus, the very presence of the Holy Spirit descended on him and filled him. And what did God the Father say to him? Do you remember those words? He said this, You are my beloved Son, and with you I am well pleased. You are my beloved Son, and with you I am well pleased. I think about Jesus coming up out of the water and beginning this new ministry on earth filled with the Holy Spirit and the assurance of sonship. 
in the assurance of his father's love and delight. Think about how powerful that was. Think about for you. What would it be like for you to hear those words? You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And with you, I am well pleased. Friends, those are the same words that Jesus speaks over us when he redeems our lives by his son's blood. So I ask this question, what would it be like if you got up every day and received those words, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, and with you I am well pleased? I wonder what difference that would make in your day. What difference would that make in the way you engage other people? What difference would that make when you are faced with all kinds of challenges before you? Things that you haven't even shared with other people. What difference would it make if you knew your sonship? That you were a son or daughter of the Most High God. Friends, one of the things the Holy Spirit does for you and me coming and filling us is he reminds us of that. He reminds us of whose we are and continues to remind us that we are beloved sons and daughters. One of my favorite parts of Scripture is in the book of Ephesians when Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and, and he, there's two significant prayers in there. And the second one is in Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to listen to what he prays over this church. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. Paul prayed that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And he doesn't stop there and he goes on and he writes this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Did you hear that prayer? That we would be grounded and rooted in love and that we would have power to know all the fullness of God. Friends, that's the gift that the Holy Spirit brings to you and me. He brings the fullness of God into our lives. Here's my question. Are you leaning into that fullness? Are you leaning into the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit alive in you? Maybe I'll ask it a different way. What difference does it make, does the Holy Spirit make in your life on a daily, on a daily basis? Would you say that he makes any difference at all? Do you acknowledge his presence I will tell you that probably up until nine years ago, I didn't recognize his presence much at all in my life. In fact, I grew up in a tradition where 
Yes, we believed in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was kind of closed off over here. You just didn't do much with him. You just didn't know much about him because some people have seen wacky things happen. So it's best to kind of keep him over here. And so up until about nine years ago, that's how I lived my life, just recognize, okay, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. But honestly, friends, living pretty much out of my own power, my own strength, my own gifts. And can I tell you, I hit a place when I was like, there's got to be more because I don't think this is how the Lord is really calling me to live my life. And some friends opened my eyes to the powerful presence and dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And I will tell you from that moment on, I've been on a journey where I think I've come more and more alive in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit than ever because I realize he's real. He's a person who dwells in here. And so now as I lean into the scriptures, it's becoming more and more alive to me because I believe through the spirit in here that I'm acknowledging I'm knowing more and being filled with more of the fullness of God. Does that make sense? But until I began to acknowledge his presence... I was so often living out of my own power and my own strength, which I can tell you did not get me very far. But it's been a whole other world to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit every day, leaning in, calling out for the Spirit's power and, and challenging situations in a day, calling out that the Spirit would remind me of those words that Paul wrote, that I would be grounded and rooted in that kind of love. And I will tell you, over the last nine years, joy has erupted in my life more than I ever imagined. <laughs> there is peace, there is excitement and passion for living for God's kingdom instead of my own. And I will tell you, for me, on my journey, and I can tell you more about it one day if you want to hear it, that opened my eyes to the kingdom of God coming in our midst in greater and greater ways. And I pray that for you this morning. So I first want to name the reality, the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. I think what we lack is we're not calling out for him. We're not acknowledging his presence in our lives. I think John Wesley articulated it so much better than me. Let me tell you what he wrote many, many years ago. Here's what he wrote. O thou who camest from above the pure celestial fire to impart, kindle a flame of sacred love on the mean altar of my heart. There let it be for thy glory burn with inextinguishable blaze and trembling to its source return in humble prayer and fervent praise. Jesus, confirm my heart's desire to work and to speak and to think for thee. Still let me guard the holy fire and still stir up thy gift in me. He's praying, stir your Holy Spirit up. Let it be a fire that is blazing and burning deep in me. So I think that's the life of the follower of Jesus. St. Augustine, who came much before John Charles Wesley, put it this way, O love ever burning and never extinguished, my God set me on fire. Friends, I pray that we at St. Andrews would be a church set on fire, that, that we're not a place where people just come Sunday after Sunday or watch and, and just get into a routine and this is just what we do, but that we would be so set ablaze by the Holy Spirit that we, by the Holy Spirit, 
that we would burn with the holy fire. I believe that's the life that God has for us as we follow Jesus. You see, here's what I believe this does. One of the things he does, and I've named it, he stirs us up with understanding God's love for us. And here's what we find. Love from God stirs in us a deep love for God. And that love spills over into a love for people. That's what's happening here in Pentecost. As they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they went out. And we're going to see now that they went out to declare the mighty works of God. They couldn't keep silent. Because with the spirits empowering them, they understood the mighty works of what Jesus came to do. That God sent his son into a broken, sin-cursed world. He sent him to redeem our lives, to give us a hope. To people who wandered far from him, cursed him, turned from him. He gave his son so that we could be reconciled. And God did it all for you and me. And so I want you to imagine on that first Pentecost day, when those followers of Jesus, those first disciples were gathered together, here's what they experienced. Not only did they find these tongues of fire coming to rest on them, here's also what we read. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire place where they were sitting. That imagery of a mighty rushing wind is the imagery of power. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes in power. In fact, the nature of the Holy Spirit is one of power. Heard a story many, many years ago. There was a Swedish chemist who was working with some chemicals and, and all of a sudden he, he, he created this substance and he saw that it was very, very powerful. He didn't know what to name it, so he called a friend of his who was a Greek scholar. And he said, what's the Greek name for power? And it's dunamis. It's the word we get dynamite from. Friends, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. It is an explosive power that I believe sends us out into the world in mission because of the mighty works of God. It's exactly what we see happening here. All those different languages that you heard mentioned in here, the ones even that you heard this morning, all those different languages, those disciples went out and began to say the mighty works of God in people's native tongue, and they were amazed. It was like this the, the first praise and worship service of the church, at the birth of the church. That's what we see happening Simon Ponsonby, in his book titled More, which is a tremendous work on understanding more of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, wrote this, the Holy Spirit did not come for our entertainment or excitement, but for our empowerment for evangelism. He filled the church that the church might fill the world. He filled the church. We have the gift of the Spirit. Now, what are we doing with him? that we might go fill the world with the mighty wonders of God. That's what they were doing. That's what we find in verse 11. They were going out de 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 declaring the mighty works of God. Ed Clowney, a mentor and pastor theologian who died a number of years ago, wrote this. 
The gospel message is celebration before it's communication. Let me say it again because this is important for us to hear. The gospel message is celebration before it's communication. When I think about a church going out in the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit, when I look at people and I wonder why are we not seeing this happen more readily? Why are we not seeing this out in the community like the Lord longs for us to see it? I wonder if we are not bold witnesses so much because we are not first celebrating the mighty works of God. Do you see that? If we're not celebrating the works of God, if we're not remembering and praising and living lives of gratitude because of what God has done, we're not going to have a very compelling message to go take someone, are we? I want you to read later today Psalm 105. I'm not going to get into it because I've got to wrap this up, but I want to give you a taste of what's happening in Psalm 105. The psalmist begins with these words, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wondrous works. And then he goes on to name the works of God through history. Friends, do you know the mighty works of God? How's he been working in your life? How's he brought redemption in your life? How's he renewing you today? Where is he working? Where is he remaking your life more and more into the image of Jesus? Where are you seeing him heal? Where are you seeing him bring comfort when you're going through a really long, dark time? Friends, those works and movements of the Holy Spirit show us the works of a mighty God in our midst. You and I have a story to tell. we got a story that's renewed every day because we are living testimonies of the mighty works of God. Amen? And so our calling is to recognize the presence of the Spirit alive in us. Lean into Him. Talk to Him. And then recognize the power of the living God alive in you. And spend time, spend time reading and seeing the mighty works of God through history. Spend time declaring the mighty works of God that he's doing in your midst even today. And friends, we will find that we will become an explosive people in this community. Not turning people away from the gospel, but because of the power of the Spirit who draws us to faith, we will see many coming in response to the mighty works of God. Amen. So may he fill us afresh today, a fresh anointing, a fresh filling, renewed joy in the presence of our God who says, you are my beloved son, my daughter, and with you I am well pleased. Amen. Father, we submit this to you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.